Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another edition of Already His Workmanship podcast. I'm Todd, and today with me I have Logan. Hi, everybody. So um, last week we talked about um, kind of tying up, uh, getting through uh, the spiritual inventory and doing that deep dive work, and it's time to move forward. Uh, so the question we ended the last week with is, what are you going to do to get unstuck? So um, what I do to get unstuck is a couple different things. First thing, if I'm getting stuck and it's a relational thing where I'm stuck uh, with something that's happening with me relationally with another human being, um, I typically write a gratitude list for them. Uh, if it's a person at work, if it's my wife, it's my parents, if it's all these different types of relationships, right? I will create a um, gratitude list for them, gratitude list for the situation, gratitude list for the things that are bothering me, um, because those are the things that I feel like uh, always give me peace and serenity and help me get unstuck out of the situation. Um, it also depends like what it, the situation is. Um, I had to tell myself hard truths or have myself surrounded with people who will tell me hard truths. Like, um, if I feel like a situation is entirely somebody else's fault, I have to tell myself the truth that's almost always not the case. Like, well, I have yet to find the case where a situation was entirely somebody else's fault. Uh, whenever I'm feeling that way, I'm always into this like weird codependency thing. Oh, where I think my life will be better if they were behaving differently and I have to get out of that. Otherwise I'll be miserable and irritable and discontent and I'll eventually relapse whenever I'm in that, like my life is terrible because you're doing X, Y, and Z. Um, so I have to tell myself the hard truth that it's never somebody else's fault. It's always Todd's issue. Um, even if it's an issue I don't like and the situation I don't like, um, my interpretation of how I can be okay is still my interpretation of how I can be okay. So those are my quick answers to how I get unstuck, and we can dig into that a little bit more, but I'd like to hear Logan's version of getting unstuck first. Well, yeah, I mean, first off, I mean, I think when you first asked the question, you know, how do I get unstuck? I think the my first reaction to it was the majority of the work <laughs> isn't work that I do. It's actually just allowing, it's allowing the Holy spirit to work in my life. It's allowing him to lead me. And so, you know, and you know, for you, you know, just even hearing about kind of your recipe, that's something even like working that gratitude journal is a way that you open yourself up to the Holy spirit leading you. I mean, that's just, it's, it's a way you're looking at what God's given you. And then it just gives you, you know, we have some of, we, all of us, you know, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, hopefully you have something that you can do that helps you connect, you know, whether or not it's, you know, I, I sit there and I listen to worship music or again, writing down things and the wonderful blessings that God's given us. Um, <clears throat> I, the other thing, my other reaction to it is I do this, <laughs> um, actually the, um, the process of doing this podcast and talking with Todd talking with Dell on occasion when we have him really helps me get through things sometimes just, just the, it's 
<clears throat> the camaraderie of knowing that there are other people out there who are dealing with things. And sometimes you, you just seem by, by hearing their story and their story of getting through something, it just gives you the wherewithal to, to like, to just move forward and take another step knowing that, you know, it's not in our own strength, but it's in the strength that God provides. But <clears throat> most of the times, excuse me, I had some stuck in my throat, but most of the time when I sit down with somebody and I, and they're stuck and I talk to them and I ask them, what's your next step? They usually know what it is actually. It's usually not a lack of knowledge about how to move forward. It's usually a lack of feeling like the motivation or just feeling defeated. And that to me is a big thing in my life. Like sometimes I just feel defeated and I just feel like I'm going to do it again. I'm going to charge at that windmill one more time. It's going to knock me off my horse and I'm just going to be at the bottom of the hill. It's like, why do I even try? And so that to me, the camaraderie of being around other guys, hearing their stories, having them encourage me, just having them even just the the choosing to be in my company. Um, you know, I had a great pastor through most of my life who who told me that your presence or absence at a meeting or at an event or whatever is the biggest statement that you can make. So when you spend time in the presence of somebody else, that's a pretty big statement that you're making. You know, when you show up at somebody's birthday party, when you, you know, those kind of things, that's a big statement. So even just that will give me the motivation to continue to walk forward. Just when like somebody chooses to be with me, I see that as a compliment or even just a shot in the arm that like, Hey, you know, I can do this. So. Yeah. Um, so I like structurally make sure I have a couple things going on, right? Structurally, I always make sure I have a minimum of three close people that I can call at any time. They're there for me, no matter what. Uh, they're like, like they know really, really intimate details about my life like two to three people, like my wife, and then two or three men that really know everything that's going on that, that are there that, that, you know, that I've invested into, we've mutually invested into each other. And, and there's these things that like, you know, we're typically in some type of similar situation or they've been in situations like mine and we can like have conversations that are difficult. Um, that are based on this right radical honesty. Like it's totally okay to, you know, have difficult conversations with me and it's okay for me to have difficult conversations with them. There's that. Um, spending time with the Lord reminds me like whenever I'm just frustrated or I need perspective, I take a walk, like walks for me, especially when I can stay off my phone are magical. So I like kayaking when I get a chance to do that because um, I leave my phone behind and it's just quiet time, repetitive, I get in this meditative state where I can hear from the Lord. And that's like when like I get I get inspiration to solve a situation or how to handle a situation that I just couldn't figure out before, right? So um there's a line I've talked about in the promises, you know, I don't know, probably ten episodes again right now. Uh, where it says, you know, we will suddenly realize God's doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's why I have those moments consistently when I'm on a quiet walk um, or kayaking, someplace where I've manufactured a time where I'm not receiving any inputs from the world, any inputs from technology, 
and just getting this quiet time where I can listen to God. Um, those always are magical moments for me where I get to like navigate through things. So um, Thursday morning or Thursday night this week, I was just a really busy day all day long and I've been like banging my head against some stuff at work trying to solve a, a problem. And I just went out on a walk and took like a, like probably three mile walk and I uh, got to this point where I'm like, oh yeah, like um, God always brings me to the end of myself all the time. Uh, so I'll like seek him and I'll like turn stuff over to him. Right. And it doesn't matter if it's through suffering or if it's through expansion of vision to the point where I can't succeed in doing what I'm supposed, what I feel called to do without his help. Like he always brings me to the end of myself in some way. Right. And it's a myriad of different things that happen for me, but that's, that's the other thing there is like giving myself the space to realize I'm at the end of myself and, oh yeah, I have to seek God again. I have to do the first three steps again. I have to do these things that we talk about all the time. Uh, and then all of a sudden I have a joy and I'm like, oh yeah, this is where I'm at. It's great. But uh, I have to actively do several of those things. They have to be a structure in my life. Otherwise I have all the negative stuff and I get stuck and I get restless, irritable and discontent and despondent and despairing and all those things. Right. So, um, so I encourage you guys, like you're feeling all those negative emotions, like you're just spare of life itself. You're restless, irritable, discontent. Everything feels wrong. Well, that's exactly where you're supposed to be. Cause yeah. like that motivates you to do something very specific with God. That is a, a very godly thing to have that relationship with God. So, yeah, he puts us in. I mean, he, you know, we've noticed that he puts us in those places on occasion where, where we just, you know, I mean, when we consistently, I know that I like, given, given if everything in my life is going well and I've, <clears throat> I don't have that level of desperation, you know, it's very easy for us to walk away and just totally forget about God. And, you know, it's, it's this, um, I kind of liken it to like, there's this urge in every man, you know, from, from like a physical standpoint of physical intimacy with his wife. And there's, there's like an emotional element to it, but there's a biological element to it too. And it's like, well, God, like, why did you put that in us? Cause it's, you know, it's kind of annoying <laughs> sometimes. Right. Well, it's like, it's this drive that continually refreshes itself to make you pursue having an intimate relationship with your wife to have you know, to, to be in her presence, to, to, you know, to be listening, to be loving, to be affectionate, you know, it's this, it, it continually refreshes itself. And I feel like the same thing happens in life where there are troubles that come down the pike and, you know, good God save us from those troubles. Yes. But like, why would he, when they continually are the things that remind us that we need him and drive us to our knees and to his feet and to reminding ourselves of our, of our place and, you know, of, of this relationship. And so as much as I would love to not have troubles, oftentimes those troubles are actually the reason why I'm still walking with the Lord. Um, Cause it's so easy in our pride. And especially for me, when things are going well for a long period of time to, to own it and to feel like it's, we earned it. Um, and I'm experiencing that now. Like I experienced that at work. Like you have a great year and you're like, yes, I'm the best. And then you're like, you have a terrible year and you're like, I'm the worst. Are either one of those true? No. 
there are things that are outside of our control and there's sometimes, you know, but they, we, we own it ourselves when it's actually, you know, it's not us, it, you know, I'm sure we influence it one way or the other, but the amount of control we have in life is just so much less than we want to convince ourselves that we have. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we will continuously talk on this podcast around how little control we have yeah. and being okay with like the little control, like that we basically have no control over almost anything. Um, I think there's a, I think there's a, a thing in there, right? When we realize what we have control over, right? God gives us can like the ability to go do stuff that we're called for that, that will be deeply impactful for the world. And it's really hard to figure out what's the stuff that's God's called me to and what's this really, really good stuff that's clearly godly, but it's not the stuff that God called me to. That's a really hard thing to figure out over time, right? So, um, you know, eventually everybody listening to this podcast will have that moment where they have to go through that. So, um, so yeah, um, now we got to get into the meat of today's podcast, um, like of getting unstuck. And that is um, uh, the, the next kind of portion of the steps. And, and really the rest of the steps is, um, I don't know, I liken it to physical therapy, right? Um, the first couple steps, the first three steps are like, hey, I really need a doctor, right? And acknowledging you need a doctor and you need help in life. Fourth step is like the diagnosis that you go through in a prayerful way to know all the things that are wrong that need to be fixed. Everything else is fixing those things or maintaining those things so you don't like end up in the spiritual condition that you were in when you started this, right? So everything else is different from uh, moving forward. Is where we're going into the work portion of it where you like have this dependency upon God to get through all these things. And the first portion of this is um, taking the stuff that was on your spiritual inventory and confessing it to God and to someone you trust. So um, confessing it to God is kind of easy because you did that as you were doing the inventory. But now you actually have to find somebody you trust. And then today I want to talk about like, what are the qualities of the people that you would want to trust to do this piece right to be a sponsor to be that guiding person right so um ideally the person that you're going to be doing this for um you know people of them like it'd be nice if they had done the 12 steps or they're listening to this podcast and there's somebody that you can trust to doing it um the other big thing is that they have um the kind of moral character uh from god that you want to have in in yourself right that, that they have evidence of these things that are happening in their lives right so um like one of the reasons why logan and i became quick friends is because we witnessed the character each other had and the disclosures of what we were struggling with just like we just went up this intimacy ladder super quick right and that was like a close like friend and accountability partner uh the person you're doing this fifth step with can be an accountability partner but ideally they're kind of a more of a coach type person in your life right um 
I would steer away from somebody who is a like in a pastoral position. Um, the system that teaches uh, in seminary and develops uh, the people within those organizations um, doesn't does doesn't like it's they're doing something different for the body, right? Then the person you're like confessing to, right? So, and then ideally the person you're confessing to in my mind has like struggled with similar things that you are struggling with that are on your spiritual inventory. So um, I like like to hear Logan's perspective on it since he's more of a pastor and, and uh, there's kind of his thoughts there. You know, I think I think you I think you uh, come up bring up a a good uh, a good point there. Um, <clears throat> the the role of you know in in larger church contexts there can be very there can be different types of pastors and there are some that are just basically you know sort of counselors um, and you know that's their that's their area that they focus on and and that's great because those are great great people to counsel you through things. You know, if you're in a smaller church, most churches have what one or two pastors. There's usually a lot of them have just one. And a lot of times when that pastor is the teaching pastor, their primary responsibility is teaching and 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 then equipping leaders in order to be effective in the church. And so oftentimes you can when you get into that situation where that person is your accountability person, they can't turn off the teaching. Right. And it's it's tough because oftentimes you don't need someone to teach you. You know what's going on. You need someone to listen and you need someone to encourage and be that safe person that you can bring anything to. And you know that they're not going to judge you, et cetera. And, and that, that may, you know, pastors are usually those kind of type of guys, but it's hard when they're like, their response is, Oh man, James three, you, this is how you deal with, you know I mean? And so I can, I've seen that happen and that's been my experience in the past too. Oftentimes, the best accountability person that you can have is really another person in the church who's not necessarily in a position of leadership. They're they're they've had victory in that area or they're they've had that struggle before. It and they can be that person who, you know, meets with you one-on-one. It can be very um regular, they can be available. And which is it's the beauty of yeah, as an aside, it's the beauty of the church. Like that there is the the priesthood of all believers, that every single one of us is there to serve each other and to serve the church. And it actually being an accountability person for somebody is an incredible, an incredibly fulfilling thing for someone to do. And that person may not be the type of person who's going to say, preach from preach from the pulpit on the Sunday or lead a group or whatever, but they can be that faithful person who is always able to take your phone call, who can meet with you for coffee and their availability may be one of the biggest abilities they have. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my, you know, I, I quote Steve all the time, my old pastor, Steve, but he, that was one of his things. He says, your availability is, is one of your most important abilities. You know, your availability to actually be there for people because you know, you can have somebody that you really like to talk to, but if they're not available, um, you know, when you need them, that's one thing that you really do need to consider. So I think, yeah. I think Todd's advice there, that, that, that tracks with me because I know some of the best accountability people that I've had are, were people who they just, they had walked through something. They were available to me to meet with me or to talk with me, but they didn't necessarily have the, 
all of the responsibility that a pastor has that where they're constantly being dragged, you know, 10 different ways. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the other critical things too, is it, it needs to be the person of the same sex. It does like, like I can never like empathize in the way that needs to be empathized with a woman who struggled with like being a mom or uh, who had been assaulted in some way or had like a miscarriage or any of these things. Like I'm never going to be able to, to communicate the appropriate way if somebody shared that with me. Right. Um, And vice versa, like women, like wouldn't be able to like, navigate some of the ways that like i think of the world and go through the world and my experiences right so mm-hmm. i mean that's a really important thing is to make sure uh that that's there i think that's where you're going to get uh a um this is a better overall result and it almost certainly shouldn't be like your significant other your like wife or husband like yeah. that's almost certainly like that that's probably not the right person um especially if some stuff on your list has to do with that person in some way either an amends you're eventually going to have to make and some harm you've done to them or like some harm they did to you like they needed like it can't be that person right so um so like you know if you with if you're dealing with like anxiety and depression like and that's like your thing right now find somebody that's dealt with anxiety and depression or codependency or alcoholism or pornography addiction or eating or or whatever right like just that that's the 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 stuff to like figure out right or if like you know just you know the big things that are on your spiritual inventory and you can have some light conversations with people and just kind of figure out where they're at. Um, so that's there. And, you know, you could also go to a Celebrate Recovery or a Christian 12-step group. You will find somebody there that can do this work with you, right? So that's also another option. Virtually every town I've traveled to, uh, there is a Celebrate Recovery some night of the week thing, right, to go to or a Christian 12-step group. So. There's a lot of options uh, to do a lot of different things. Um, yeah, but, but finding that person's like really critical. And like, um, this, that, that, that thing is like there. So, um, and then I can tell you like, like from having sponsored people that this step doing this thing is the, the biggest blessing i probably have ever gone through is listening to somebody's fifth step and going through that with them and actually like walking through that with them so they can like figure stuff out and move forward right um it's been an absolutely amazing thing for me to be able to do that um like a couple different times guys i was like doing that for i was like oh like like this is your big thing that you're dealing with uh we need to get you into x right uh, whether you know one one person i was like okay like 
we need to do X, right? We need to get you counseling in X area because that's what's going to help you the most. That's where all your issues are in this one issue. Uh, let's go do that or let's go do this. It was like really easy to do that or, you know, you know, or just like continued our relationship onward from there. Uh, but it's, it's a really great thing to do um, as a person. So I, I'm highly blessed to have done that. It is one of the biggest blessings of my entire life. So, um, and the last thing I was really thinking of here is um, the thing I've been thinking of like all the time recently, and it is um, you want to listen to what people say. And you really want to find somebody that is relentlessly pro-Jesus. And when they talk, like, you know where they stand in the affirmative. And you hardly know anything about what they stand against, right? Like, somebody who's talking all the time about, uh, I'm against the woke left. Or I'm against the, you know, transgenderism. Or I'm against uh, homosexuality. Or I'm against... Like communism or I'm against whatever it happens to be, right? That is like some cultural thing happening in the world. That person almost certainly will not be a person that can do this step. There's something going on for them and you will almost certainly trip over one of their landmine issues that has something to do with the world and not to do with the spiritual battle you're battling. And so that is a really important thing to listen for as well. Yeah, I mean the the um, we can get stuck on we can get stuck on that stuff, you know. I mean, there's there's some there's there the Christians should not be known more for what they are against than what they are for. Like when people say Christians, ideally they should be thinking Jesus. They should be thinking those guys are for Jesus much more than something that's coming to the forefront of like, Oh, they're against this. They stand against this. They stand against this. And I'm not saying there there's, there's obviously times where you have to take a stand against something or, you know, there's times in your, in your family when, when you see something destructive or whatever, where you need to go to that person and say, Hey, you know, you're about to step into this hole and I've been in that hole before. And I know it's not good for you. There's obviously those times if we really love each other where we have to go, but those times, like it, when we are interacting with the world, um, you know, we, we need to be championing Jesus way more than we are championing for something else. That's, that's extracurricular. Um, you know, Paul said, he said, you know, a, you know, a soldier does not get entangled in civilian affairs. And that doesn't mean that we disconnect from society, disconnect from everything, but what are you first? Are you a soldier? Are you, and I'm not talking about soldier for some, you know, a political crusade. We are a part of the kingdom of God. And, and he was using that, 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 that differentiation between a soldier knows that they're called to a purpose and to a calling and they have a mission. They have a mission that they're on. And these other things outside of that are ancillary to the mission. Like what is the mission that we're called to? We're called to love the world. We're called to make a difference. We're, we're called to um, ex exemplify Jesus. And there was a ton of stuff going on in Jesus's day. It was not like the fifties or, you know, it wasn't, you know, or whatever, you know, leave it to beaver where everybody was, you know, everything was perfect. There was all kinds of messed up stuff going on in that world, but he stayed on the mission. 
And so I think, I think that goes to what you were saying, Todd, there, that you can't, it's so easy to get distracted with other stuff when, when people's lives are on the line and it's, you know, and we, that's our first calling is to go after those people and save them from drowning. Yeah. And let's not pretend the fifties were good. They weren't. Yeah. 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 The 1950s I mean... was full of a million men that went into war and saw the most horrific things to you humanly possible. They came back from those wars, both in Japan, in the, in the Pacific and in Europe, having seen the most horrific things possible in the world and never given any of the mental health treatment they needed for the you know, like mental wounds from having to go through hell. And, um, they just brought that fractured view of the world back into everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So like on the surface, it was good because everybody was pretending it was good because like, Hey, we're like, we won the war and we're okay. But nobody was good. Like everybody was broken. It was really, really, uh, you know, this, like time right and a lot of those men just like made it through by making the world a better place and like participating and and making things and trying to heal the world but it was a it was really dark right like and you see the echoes of that in all the weird generational things that happened afterwards so um when i uh look at the things overall um yeah, the, the, like the, that stuff there, what we should be known for, um, right? Because it's just there, right? And you probably, like, as listening to this, you probably would never choose somebody who you can know that they stand against something because you already know you have a spiritual condition that they're going to be upset by, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because it's like you're, you're trying to get healed by this, right? So that's that's one of those things there. And that's also one of the things that scares people away from doing this step, right? Is they feel like they're going to get judged and demonized by sharing these things. And so finding the right person is a really big deal, right? Um, but they exist. Like every church has them, right? Every church has these people that that are fervently serving the Lord, that, that are like just pro-Jesus, Um that have been through hell and back and been healed and miraculously changed by God, even if they haven't done the 12 steps. Every church has these men and women in it. They're the core people of the church. They say stuff like, you know, you know, they're suffering from cancer. They say something when you say, how are you doing? And they're like, um, like, plus beyond all measure and is perfect pleasure, right? That's the person you want to share with, right? When they're like in the worst situations and that is their response and they have true joy like those are the people that you want to like seek out and find and i guarantee you every church has them right um if you're a woman listening to this podcast you know find a woman who's already had kids right and has gone through the anxiety of everything or like if that's like the stage of life you're in right just like find people that have already been in the stage of your life uh that have a an outward perspective right People over 50 have a much different perspective on life, right? They're, you know, not all of them have had the spiritual journey to be able to take advantage of that different perspective, but many of them have, and like, they will be able to tell you or like, listen to you and be like, oh yeah, like that 75% of the stuff you're like anxious about, well, like, you know, it's going to turn out fine no matter what, right? Like you have no control over it or whatever, right? So, um, yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, when when I when I choose someone that I want to talk to about stuff, it's usually because it's usually then like when I meet somebody in a in a group setting or whatever, is it's not the person who comes to you immediately and tells you their entire life story. Cause there are those people who are always just wanting to like share their journey with everybody and those people, but it's the person who like voluntarily tells you something about themselves that's not flattering, but glorifies God through it. Oh yeah. I, man, I used to really struggle with that, but the Lord really brought me through it. Right. That's the type of person that I feel like, like that's, those are the safe people to me where people who are voluntarily share something with you are willing to, to have, you know, them for who they really are, that they are, that we are all my, my friend, Robert, who's on eldership with me says we are all cracked pots and people. And that's how we're designed. We're designed as a pot with cracks in it that when it's filled with, with the Holy spirit, like water, it leaks out all over everybody and everyone can see the cracks that we have, but they're filled and with, with the Holy spirit. Right. And so that's how, that's how we are designed to be. And so people who are honest with people about the fact that they are not perfect and that they have no expectation for being perfect, but that God is sufficient, even in their lack of perfection. Those are the type of people that are safe to share who you really are with. Um, and those are people who actually really understand there's a, unfortunately, and I won't get on the soapbox about it, but unfortunately, a lot of churches have people in it that actually don't know Jesus yet. They may think that they that they do. They may have grown up in a family where they've like, oh, we've we've always gone to church. And unfortunately, like a lot of people equate going to church to being a Christian. And those two things are not the same thing. Being a Christian is somebody who a Christian is somebody who has been confronted with their own sin, their own lack of of an ability to run their life effectively or to make good decisions or whatever. And says, I desperately need somebody else to be in control and says, and gives their life over to Jesus. And those people understanding how much they have been forgiven for are the type of people that extend forgiveness. And they're the type of people that can readily talk about their own mistakes because they don't, they understand that they don't matter because it's not about them. It's about Jesus. And so that's, to me, that's like the, the litmus test for people who I feel like are really walking with the Lord is they can freely share their own, their own, the, their warts and the things that, that, uh, that they've, you know, their mistakes in the past and let other people learn from them. So. um, Basically also, you can also just like, if all this other stuff fails, just start having some conversations with people around church. Uh, I'm going to be like, I want to understand first and second Corinthians better. <laughs> right. Like first and second Corinthians is like, like that is throwing like all the simple stuff we do in church, in our face. Like, like it's all of it, right. Basically mm -hmm. first and second Corinthians covers like virtually every sin I can imagine like that happens within a church body itself that is like self-righteous or um, trying to see people with the Lord or using a cult of personality or any of these other things that are like major issues within churches throughout history, right? Like first and second Corinthians kind of covers a whole gamut of all the craziness that can go on. Um, so that that's another way to kind of, 
uh figure out like how where somebody's at like just talk to him about like hey man i read this in second corinthians or first corinthians and like i'm, I'm trying to figure out what it means right and mm -hmm. just that right there that that because those two books have like they basically cover all of the weird things that happen in humanity within a church um and are fantastic places to see where we're at spiritually because they're like laden with recovering from everything uh and like the worst sins imaginable were what the corinthians were dealing with right so um that that's another really great one to kind of have um conversations about right so um because there's a lot going on in those two books so uh even in the first chapter of each one of them there's like there's like all of theology can be summed up in some of those like first few sentences of both of those um there in particular for me it's like the whole first chapter of second corinthians is just like astonishing in its like way it presents like suffering and recovering from how terrible the world can be and how beneficial it is to ourselves and to others all at the same time mm -hmm. so um so yeah i think we've kind of covered all the really big stuff there and finding a good person to talk to um uh next week we could continue in on the, these things there um, unless you had another thing to add logan if there's another piece there you wanted to add no, I just I, I my comment on Corinthians like must have been like the Vegas of the day. No, I mean Corinth was I mean they saw everything, and so that is a great place in the Bible to go through. They they were at the crossroads and had all kinds of different people groups, all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a great one to spend some time in. Um, yeah, if uh, if you ever want to be confronted with your own, uh, you know, if, with your own stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in particular, just like the things that they did to each other, one another as a church body, like mm -hmm. there's just some stuff there that you can see like, oh, okay, I need to avoid these types of things, right? Yeah. I need to avoid gossip. I need to avoid like specific types of relationships. I need to avoid these things because they're all toxic to our ability to actually have a relationship with Christ. So. Yeah. Uh, I think I touched on it last time we talked, but I think the, the, a lot of your your victory in this area is going to be your ability to as a you know i think one of the one of the things that happened to us as we mature is that we can stand to have people in our life who tell us the truth uh, who don't just flatter us and so when you're choosing that person uh, i always say that when you choose an accountability partner like you have to really really search your heart because if you're if you are ever dishonest with them you've completely you've completely you've made your the time that you're spending together basically worthless and meaningless because if that mm -hmm. person can't, if you can't be honest with them and deal with their honest feedback and their, their, their encouragement or criticism or whatever it is, like you might as well just not have that relationship at all because otherwise you're just spending time with somebody telling them something that's not true and then they can't help you. So you have to understand yeah. that accountability really can lead you to, to, to having victory in an area. So you have to yeah. be, do, do the soul searching. Don't just go get an accountability partner because it's the rage of the thing to do. Mm -hmm. Like you got to treat it with the respect that it deserves and you got to do it and work it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I even think this person that you're sharing with isn't necessarily 
it's more of a sponsor type person, right? More of a coach, more of a person that is like an occasional person you talk to that has a great 10,000 foot view of life that they can say, hey, it looks like you're going this general direction. Be aware of these 10 things that are going on in your life, right? Like that's also there. And then an accountability partner also works really well too. So, uh, but you're right. Choosing an accountability partner, I mean, it's a, you want to have the right one that's honest with you and you're going to be honest with them. Like if that's, if that's not the baseline of it, then it's not going to work. So, yeah. Um, So I'm writing around a couple different uh, um, questions for next week. Uh, we can talk about it really quick. I was thinking one of them would be, what are you going to do to stay encouraged as you're going through this process? Like, what plan are you making? Um, I think that's what I'll actually want to go with. Like, what's your plan, right? So I've known in my life that, that, that you know, I'll, we'll talk about what my answer is next week. But I think that's a really critical thing for you all to kind of contemplate. Like, what is my plan to stay encouraged and continue forward with the work. Um, just having a plan to do that is a, is a big deal. Self-care, that sort of thing. Well, how am I going to take care of myself? Um, and it's not when everything's going good. This is when you have the worst day you could possibly imagine. What are you going to do to take care of yourself so you can be okay, right? That that This is what we're talking about. It's not the... You know, everybody can handle the easy days. It's like, what are you going to do when it's the hard day and just just functioning feels like it's impossible? What are you going to do? What are the what are the things you're going to do there in your in your purview to be able to do uh, there? So and I'll share my answers next week. So great, cool. Looking forward. Uh, do you want to pray? Us, <laughs> you want to pray us out, Logan? Absolutely. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, your encouragement for us. We thank you that you accept us no matter where we're at. And you, Lord, you love us. Um, Lord, that we can have as close of a relationship with you as we want to have. Um, and Lord, you are always fully extended to us. You're always fully available to us. Lord, we have it but to, to turn to you and you're already there. Lord, we thank you that you um, have given us a road back Um no matter where we're at, there's always a road back to you. And Lord, we thank you and we bless this time and hope that this podcast finds the right person who needs to hear it. And they're blessed. Amen. Amen.